0: Hey Urban Spinsters, it's Sadia Sanders of urbanspinster.com where we are creating our own agenda, dispelling societal myths, and redefining the word spinster. I am continuing my series on McLaren Hall, The Sin of Being a Single Mother in Poverty, and my guest on this episode is Tiffany Bowens. She entered McLaren Hall Children's Facility around the age of 11, and her abusive mother wound up rescuing her from the facility while on a field trip make sure you listen to this episode in full subscribe to the podcast and follow on all social media at urban spinster xo
1: okay so actually i found out about the lawsuit um on television on the news Mm -hmm. but um oddly enough I had been getting um, in my news feed on my Instagram. I kept getting these um, news feeds about McLaren Hall cases. So I was like, okay, what's this about? Mm-hmm. So then when I saw it on the news, I YouTubed it. And that's how I found you was on YouTube. And oh, cool. the gentleman from uh, that now lives in Arizona. Andrew. So I, yeah. So I yes. watched that and yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to the podcast. And I did. I listened to all those and then that's what just led me to leave you a message.
0: Well, thank you. I'm glad that you did because I've been (laughs) looking for people to talk to and some survivors don't want to talk or they're already in litigation. So maybe that's why they don't want to to really speak up at this time. I'm not sure, but (laughs) I'm glad that you did. Okay. So tell me what led you to become a resident of McLaren Hall.
1: Uh, what led me there was um, I was being physically abused at home. Okay. So somebody had um, reported my mom, but she had uh, we had already been in foster care, uh, myself and my younger brother, we had already been in foster care from abuse. And then we were placed with family. And then once we were placed with family, my mom took us away. Took us away from the family member. And so she was, you know, on the run, so to speak, um, with us. And uh, he was too young to be in school. And then when there was a, some more abuse going on with the people that we were living with. And they reported it. Hmm. And they picked me up from school. So the next thing I knew, I was picked up from school, um, taken to a foster home for one day yeah, a day or two, and then the next thing I knew, I was in McLaren Hall.
0: And how long were you at and, McLaren?
1: Uh, I think it was for about four or five months.
0: Wow, okay.
1: Yeah, I, and, and the crazy thing about it is that I don't remember anybody saying anything to me about why, why I was there. There was never a court date that I can recall. or
0: or anything. I was just there. And so in your four months there, like take us through what that process was like, because you saw the interview I did with Andrew Bridge and uh um, read his book as well. And he was saying that like you, he didn't know where he was going, why he was going there. And when he showed up, the staff was very cold, rude. He was like six years old at the time so how old were you when this happened?
1: I was 11.
0: Okay. And then when you showed up at yeah. McLaren, what was that processing like?
1: It was, in his words, it was cold. It was, it was, there was no, you know, you're dealing with children. You you know, you would think that they would be like, well, you know, honey, it's okay. And, you know, you got to work things out to be back with your mom or whatever case may be. Even though the abuse was there, your your parent is your parent. Right you know, you you know what I mean? So there was none of that. Um, And I was I was thrown in this dorm with another little girl. And I can't recall her name. But She wasn't black. She wasn't Mexican. I'm assuming she was a Caucasian little girl. And we were just there and we were just thrown into the system of, you know, you get up, you eat breakfast, you go outside and play a little bit. Um, then you're locked in your rooms and you know the kids crying and you know screaming for whatever reasons or you know at that age I'm not thinking about mental illness because I don't even know what mental illness is at that age Mm -hmm. so I just remember being locked in the room a lot and so my little mind was always planning uh, an escape route to AWOL so um, or I would try to sneak the phone at the front desk
2: mm.
1: when nobody was when I thought like staff or somebody wasn't around to try to call my mother and I don't even know what it, you know I could probably could have used the name like hey I'm in McLaren Hall or if she even knew
2: yeah
1: at that, at a certain point so um, my first incident there with um, molestation was another child there and we were outside playing or whatever and it became sexual and he kissed me and thrust his mouth his tongue down my mouth Mm. and that had never happened to me before so I told the staff woman that was there don't know her name really can't recall what she looked like and I told her and she was like oh nothing's wrong with you or nothing's wrong with that and it was like you know I guess it was the, in in their minds, you know, cute little girl boy stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, but that always stuck with me because that was like my first kiss, so to speak, even though I didn't want it, or I wasn't even thinking about that kind of stuff. So nothing was done there. Um, And then the other, there was like a, there was like a a holiday, I want to say it was holiday. But I'm 11, so don't quote me on holiday. Um, And they had, like, celebrities come in, you know, to talk to the kids, take pictures with the kids. And I just remember, you know, being hugged up by, you know, these other adults that came in, you know, like celebrities. And, you know, take pictures. So as I'm always planning my escape to uh, a wall, or one of the little trips or whatnot. I I never got the courage to do it. Um, there was a dance. I th- the place, the part where I was in, it was either called the Dixies or the Pixies. Pixies, it was. Pixies. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's where I was, and um, there was a a dance in another part of the of the compound or whatever you want to call it, and I'm slow dancing with another child. And, at, you know, I don't think, any you know, you don't know. You're 11. You don't know. But so now when I got older, I'm like, well, what adult thought that, that was okay? That you're literally grinding and slow dancing with another older child.
0: And where was the staff during this dance?
1: They were all in the room. They were just, you know, all in the room, you know, I guess drinking punch or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, you know, as the kids are dip, jumping around and dancing to the music. But then they played this soul song. And, and I'll tell you what the song is. And every time I hear the song, it's a trigger. Hmm. Do you remember the song, um, the group Sky, When You Touch Me? Oh, I that, love, yeah. Love,
2: that
1: was the song
0: very adult themed for some children yeah why are they even playing it in the
1: first place right and who thought that was okay and what year was this uh 81 i'm 52 now so it was 81
2: okay
1: um and it could have been 82 and i'm going into 12 mm-hmm. because so as the story goes i was able to talk to my mom on the phone okay How that happened, I don't know. But I was able to talk to my mother on the phone. And I was such in survival mode to get out of there. I told my mom that we went on field trips every Monday to Hollywood Bowl for some kind of little Muppet show or whatever. And she, you know, she listened and she heard what I said. And that following Monday, I was sitting there and I heard somebody, you know, into me. And I turned around and I looked and my mother was behind a tree. And she was like, come on. And I literally crawled on my hands and knees and ran to her and jumped in a car and she took off and she took me from there. Wow.
0: And did you ever have to go back?
1: No, they never, they never, they caught her maybe two years later, by the time I was 14. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I never, I never had to go back and I've never went into the foster care system after that. So So in and out, in and out the foster homes and, and McLaren Hall from the age of about two years.
0: So after you went back with your mom, there was no follow-up by any social worker or any, like, I think nowadays they'll make the parent take parenting classes or something to prove that, okay, you're fit
1: to have your child. No. no, my mom was a rebel. And so she changed my name. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So she enrolled me in school under a whole new name.
0: Now, and had they... the abuse been by her or someone else that you were living
1: with? By my mom. Uh-huh.
0: And did yeah. that continue after she got you back?
1: Oh, yeah yeah but you know when you're when you're a child and you know your parent is your parent you know the good the bad the ugly of it all you know um she just I don't know I think I think it was mental illness Mm. uh, played a part in it um so as I was sharing I was sharing this the, the bits and pieces I have a 21 year old son so I share bits and pieces of, of my life with him as he gets older that he can handle. And now that I look back on it in my mother's position, raising us and what she must have been going through and I'm 11. So she didn't give me the normal tools that you give an 11-year-old to 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old girl because she's literally on the run from the feds. <laughs> wow. You know, but so then you leave your child wide open.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there was no counseling. I really didn't even tell her what happened to me. I was just happy to be home. And I just kept going on with life, not knowing that I'm traumatized.
0: Yeah. Now in those four to five months at McLaren, did you ever experience what I hear a lot of survivors say um, the physical abuse with the the staff and them trying to restrain you or other kids? around you or the R&R room or what they called rest and relaxation, but it was really like solitary confinement type of space where they would leave kids for sometimes days.
1: Are you kidding me? Yeah. No, I don't recall that. I don't recall that, but I do recall us, them locking us down, you know, where you couldn't get out the room. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But I just thought, you know, this is how it is. You know, not realizing that I'm I'm in a somewhat of like a, a child prison. Yeah. Yeah, not even, it's, it's, it's crazy. I have thought about McLaren Hall throughout the years. And I Googled them maybe about seven years ago, just to see if it still existed. Mm-hmm. You know, because I thought to go back and just to look at it, to see what it was. Because, you know, you're mighty my 11-year-old mind you know, there's, there's in and out. I, of course, I don't remember every day. Um, And then I saw that it was closed down because of all the abuse. Yeah. And I was like, wow, now I don't know if God just had grace on me and, and blocked my mind with some things, but I don't think so. Physical with the staff. No mental. Yes, definitely. Because I was always trying to get away. Mm -hmm. But but I was a very, um, I was a very meek and quiet child because of abuse. So you could pretty much tell me anything and I would do it or I would sit, I was never a troublemaker or never a, you know, a screamer or, you know, just act out. I was never that child. Mm -hmm. Then my mom didn't play. You couldn't even, you couldn't do anything. So anywhere else I went, I was that same child. So I'm quiet and I'm out the way.
0: Okay. yeah the kind of under the radar mm-hmm. but then two that could be um to your detriment if staff or other kids see that as like oh okay well i can take advantage of this child it's so exactly what happened mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because in the 80s after you i'm gonna say maybe 84 85 is when I think five staff members were arrested because they had been giving drugs to the kids or the kids that did require or have medication, they were over-medicating the kids and sedating them so that they could abuse them. And there were no background checks going on during this time. I just, heard that. Yeah, they didn't start doing background checks till 2001.
1: My God.
0: So imagine 1960-something. all the way to 2001 you had no background checks
1: I mean when I read that or heard that I can't recall if I read it or if I heard it said and I was like okay this was just a playground for pedophiles yeah and all kind of
2: twisted people Yep,
1: and
0: the county still owns that building they it's not torn down it's still there uh-huh. Um, but they just use it for another purpose. Wow. But it is it, yeah, it's still McLaren Hall Children's Center I think it says on the, on the front. But no. um it's just an administrative building.
1: How did you come to be familiar with McLaren Hall? I love documentaries.
0: So I watch a lot of documentaries, crime, dramas, A&E, That's ID beautiful. channel, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. I had watched a documentary um, that was about Lawrence Phillips, who had been a NFL player and he's now deceased, but he had come to a whole bunch of trouble in his life. He had been in foster care. He had been in McLaren Hall. They talked about his time there. and that's the first time I saw Andrew Bridge because Andrew is an advocate, so he speaks a lot. Uh, but he, during his stay at McLaren Hall, knew Lawrence Phillips. And so, it came up there. And then Tiffany Haddish was at McLaren Hall as well. So her book, she talks about it. and As she was doing her book tour, she would speak about it um, because her mom had a near death accident. Mm -hmm. So she couldn't physically take care of Tiffany and her siblings. And I guess they didn't place them with her grandmother so they all went into foster care, kind of separated. And she went into McLaren Hall before she was put into a foster facility. Mm-hmm. My electrician, who is, it's gotta be in his late 60s. He and his sisters were at McLaren Hall. So wow. it just kept coming up. So okay. I just was like, okay, what, what what is going on here? And I just started digging and looking. And the fact that this place has has existed for so long, and thousands upon thousands of children at its height were coming through those doors, and LA County knew what was going on, LA County Board of Supervisors knew what was going on, they would do these little walkthroughs and all the kind of stuff, but people were just kind of turning their heads, and Mm -hmm. back in those days, you know, prior to mid-80s or so, there was no DCFS, and that didn't exist, so... It was, uh, no.
2: it was like no. a
0: Department of Children Family Services proper for LA County until the eighties. So where they actually started to monitor you know, social workers and that kind of stuff and have some level of accountability. But even with that, you still see this kept going on with McLaren into the nineties, into the two thousands. So my question for, you know, Andrew had been, well, what was the point of DCFS if this was still happening? And I don't know if you saw the episode with my neighbor, who is a social worker currently, she worked at McLaren Hall, like her first job in the social work arena or industry was at McLaren Hall in the 90s. And so she was saying even today, um, these I said, well, where are they going? Where are the kids housed? Because these issues are still happening. Kids are still in foster care. So if there's no McLaren Hall temporary placement where are they going she said they're in hotels now Airbnbs
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they have they have these houses now. So oddly enough, my cousin is a foster parent now. Hmm. And um, uh, she had one little boy, um Juan, who was with us for a while. And then Juan had so many issues that he had to be removed from her house because, you know, he was showing some sexual stuff with Mm. the other child. So me being experiencing what I experienced, I was like, okay, no, we, we, we love him. We, you know, we really like him, but we can't put this other child at risk. Right. He ended up going to like a boy's home and, um, it was maybe Mm. about five to six boys in the house. And because we went to go visit them, you know, and I'm like, OK, so I guess this is what they do now since McLaren Hall's closed down.
0: Yeah, I wonder about the the private houses or privately owned um, houses, how they kind of find these group homes or what have you, because you hear people saying, oh, I'm going to turn my place into a group home. And, you know, they have to go through all of these things to be compliant. but At the same time, you have more kids than you have space for. And I just wonder what the reasons have been over the decades for, okay, well, why in the 60s did you have this influx of kids that were juvenile delinquents, quote unquote, or they had some kind of uh, criminal history? They may have just been truant, you know, may have just been skipping school and got picked up. And now they're in the juvenile system because when McLaren became the uh, temporary placement, that land had been used for other purposes. Like one decade, it was used for kids that had polio and polio was an issue. So you know, kids have polio, they had to be in wheelchairs before the vaccine and all that kind of stuff. So it would be it was a, like a, a school for handicapped children. Then at one point it was a school for uh, children or kids, girls, pregnant teens. So then that phased out and the county bought the land and they started putting kids overcrowded from the juvenile detention centers into McLaren Hall. And so you got them mixed in with, that's why it looks like a prison because that was the original purpose. Then you got orphaned kids, parents just driving down the highway getting an accident dead kids don't have any family so you got them in there with the juvenile detention kids and the mentally ill kids and the sexually abused kids and all of that just dumped in together
1: my god my god so they were just pretty it was like a, I guess if i can say like a, a cash cow so to speak
0: yeah they were warehousing these kids and that's why I asked. I was like, "Well, where's there had to be some kind of money or something like where's the money? You know, they know. always say follow the money. So, like, where was the money in this that this just kept happening for decades upon decades? There had to be some money involved somewhere for you to be. But then, too, because the population of kids you're talking about disproportionately black." And single mothers. Mm-hmm. And if they weren't black, they were definitely single or they had a uh, lack of resources. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying, hey, you know, the mom seems to be a little um unable to take care because maybe she has some, some health issues or some mental issues, let's give them some resources or let's try to work, they just snatch the kids out.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you...
1: I, it it was when I was picked up it's they pulled me out of my classroom and I went down to the office and they were just it was just some adults in the office and I was told that I had to go with them
0: Same thing with my electrician and this was in the 60s and so you was in the 80s Same thing they And then it wasn't social workers that came to school, it was like police officers, Mm -hmm. came to the school, picked up he and his sisters, said, well, do you guys have a key to the house? Because what happened, the backstory with him is that his mother had been receiving government assistance, so food stamps, you know, that kind of stuff. And when she got to the point where she didn't, she felt like she didn't need the assistance anymore, she stopped, you know, back then they were doing checks. Now they got EBT cards and all this stuff. So right. she stopped cashing the county checks and let them know like, hey, I'm working. Cause you know, back in them days, they try to get you welfare fraud and yeah. they didn't want you to even have a man in the house if you, right. you know, claim you were single and all that kind of stuff. So she stopped cashing the checks, let them know, but they kept sending them. She still wasn't cashing them. So I guess that alerted them to, come check or whatever, I don't know, but they tried to still accuse her of welfare fraud because I guess they found that she was working. They were the ones sending the checks, but they didn't see that she wasn't cashing them. So in their mind, okay, you working and you still getting government assistance. They put her in jail. And while she was in jail, she had friends of the family looking in on the kids, making sure they went to school, they were fed, they were clothed, all that stuff. But because of this, this jail thing, accusing her of welfare fraud, the kids got removed. Went to the school, said, okay, well, we're going to go by the house. The police saw the place was clean. They had food in the refrigerator, all that stuff. They still had to take them anyway, because those were the orders they were mm-hmm. given. And so while the mom is fighting her case, they're at McLaren Hall for a week, and then they get uh, placed at a foster home, which wasn't that much better and the you know he still can talk about to this day like he remembers everything he said his sister seemed to block out what happened but they separated them at mclaren because they had the girl's side and the boy's side and you know all that kind of stuff so he never knew what exactly happened with them but when he came the first night he said they take all your clothes and they throw them in this bathtub with some kind of chemical in it and so after they you know put you in this tub i guess they don't know if you got lice or whatever and so they give you these mclaren hall Mm t-shirts and he goes into this dorm style room and there's just mattress on the floor said the mattress was dirty it smelled like pee and all this other stuff he tries to get go to sleep and he wakes up something warm on him these boys are peeing on him so he gets up and starts fighting and then the staff try to get him because he's the one swinging and separate him so
2: now this is the 60s and we all the way here right
1: oh my god i mean it it's 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 so crazy. So I I don't know why the, the first time I went to foster care, my brother who was if I was ten, then he was barely he was still in diapers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I remember that he was still in diapers. So when we got over are you from California? I've yeah, been you, since the eighties. Yeah, you say you lived in South Central. So you're mm-hmm. familiar with the place that was on um, Imperial off of Normandy. Mm-mm, what was it? It was like a, a a county social worker building.
0: Oh. Because mm. yeah, I absolutely. lived near, um, well, when we first moved to LA or Cali, I was in like North Hollywood. Then we went to South Central Adams Crenshaw. So I okay. was on that side, like 10th Ave and Adams.
1: place was Imperial. It was okay. on Imperial and like Normandy or whatnot. And they started talking about separating us there. Hmm. And, I, and I said, no, you can't. You cannot separate us. He has to stay with me. I'm, I'm 10. And I got this big old baby with me. <laughs> but thank God they found somebody for us to keep together because he was totally traumatized hmm. um, for him to stay with me. And we got placed with family. But so the second time when I ended up at McLaren Hall, I think because I ran I ran from the social worker when she got me in the car. But she, I think she went to go do a welfare check on someone else. And she left me in the car. And I got out and I started running. And then uh, she, she was screaming and hollering for me to come back. And I was like, ah, ah, do I keep going, try to find a phone booth, try to get back home, or do I come back with her? And then I went back.
0: I How did you even think to run, though?
1: I was such a survivor, even at such a young age from being, you know, from being abused so much. You know, I was just always, at my little young age, I'm just, I'm just going to take off running until I get to wherever. And, you know, so I almost escaped it, but I went back. Mm -hmm. And so they placed me in a foster home that was in Pasadena. And I was just there for like one day, I, I said, um, and then I was McLaren house. I think that's why they did that to me because I was a runner, you know, or, you know, she may run away because then I was planning to run away once I got there.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I had a purple, I had a purple little pouch that they given us at some kind of celebrity thing that they had there. And I was keeping all the pictures. Like, so whenever I was going to run, I make sure I take this stuff with me. Uh, when we went to the pool or we would go on bike rides and it, it was a trail that they took us on bike rides and they had all the rocks and stuff that went down to like a river uh, right like you know the canals mm-hmm. um, the water house but I just never had enough courage until I told my mother where I would be on a particular day
2: cool. so how is your brother doing not good not good. He's um,
1: it pretty much hooked on drugs, um, lives in um, Las Vegas. And um, yeah, he didn't do well at all because I, I've, I've heard and I've read about the statistics of kids that go through foster care. They they end up in prison, which I did go to jail, but not for a really long time, but I did go to jail after that, um, being a young teenager in early twenties. Um, you know, I just being raised by drug addict parents um, and going through the foster care system. What were you in jail
2: for?
1: Oh, God, I went a couple of times for, for ditching, you know, and they put you in the holding cells, you know, till your parent comes and gets you. Um, oh, well, let me back up, because when my mom got out of prison, I was 16. And when she got out of prison, she had not changed her behavior of being abusive. So she. um. Wow, and I never thought about it like this until I'm going to say it to you right now. um she was still abusive and she um she tied me to her leg like you, you're not even addressing my issues at this point what I've been through mm-hmm. you know you're not you're not thinking about it so she's just thing I'm being rebellious and and you know so she tied my leg she tied my arm to her leg and drove me to um juvenile hall so I got to juvenile hall I was like, oh, here I go again. And, and it just because? I was just, you know, because I was ditching and I was acting a fool. But, you know, I had issues.
0: Yeah.
1: I, you know, what do you expect for me to do? Go back That,
0: she, that the- she calls, but now it's like, okay, I can't deal with this.
1: Right, so now you, you expect me to be the cookie cutter kid? No, I've, the damage has been done already. So she got me to McLaren Hall. I mean, not McLaren Hall, to a juvenile hall. And um, they were like, oh, we're, um, we're full. So I don't know if she went to the back and talked to them. It was like, I'm just trying to scare her kind of thing. Because uh, she put my sister in juvenile hall. My sister's nine years older than me. So she's 61 now. Yeah. But she has spent time in juvenile hall. Um, but we, you know, we had both been molested as, as kids before mm-hmm. we even went for all this stuff. We had already been molested as little girls but um so I ended up calling the police on my mom at 16 Mm -hmm. because she had beat me up so bad and um I went through my brother and my brother became my legal guardian at 16.
0: So how many siblings are are there all together?
1: I'm the seventh girl oh wow yeah I'm the seventh girl but they're from my dad as well so my dad the kids and then him and my mom had kids um but yeah so then I I went through that but you know like I said nobody got me any kind of help to to talk to somebody to figure it out I wasn't saying anything I don't know how severely I know how I'm being abused from my mom but I don't realize the impact of being sexually violated so many times from childhood and then from a clearing hall I don't realize. I'm thinking this is normal life, and I'm just going to keep going. So um, I said that to say, oh yeah. So then I just started being rebellious and, you know, ditching school and because I missed so much school. So just ditching and doing stuff like that. And then by the time I was twenty or twenty one, I um, I stole a rent a car stole the rental car and, and the rental car place restored it, reported it stolen like not, not taking it back kind of thing. And once I got pulled over, um they uh they took me to jail for it. <laughs> now how'd you get a rental car? Hmm? How'd my you get brother,
0: a rental?
1: Oh, my okay. brother got it
0: Okay. Because mm-hmm. I was like, you have to be twenty five, right? <laughs> yeah, no, know? and I, I... <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> So from Yeah 14- so but To 16, because your mom got you back at around like 12, right? Going on. And so between that time and when she went to jail or after she went to jail, who did you stay with?
1: I stayed from the time she went at 14. I stayed with a a family member. She was a family friend. Okay. Family friend. And I stayed with her, but I was so off the hook. She
2: couldn't.
1: She was like 28 and I'm 14. And then she had two sons that were younger. I think they were like six and four. And then my little brother was five. So she had all of us and kudos to her at 28 back in 94 (laughs) that she kept all of us, but I was, I was too much for her. So I, um, my brother ended up taking me on and then my little brother stayed with her. So, yeah, I ended up staying with my brother, and then my mom got out of prison when I was 16, and then when she got back, you know, I kind of went back and forth between her and my brother. Is your mom yeah. still living? No, she passed um,
0: 99
1: oh, wow. uh, of a um, drug overdose. Mm. hmm. And did you and your siblings
0: have any other close family, like your grandparents
1: or your dad's side no my um on my mom's side my grandmother her mother was killed when I was uh, maybe about two or three weeks old Hmm. she was murdered um by her boyfriend my grandfather her father he died when I was five because he was alcohol and that was it and then I didn't find out who my dad was till I was 22. oh okay yeah and so um Um, but yeah, I had a, we had an aunt and stuff like that. And I had this conversation with my aunt and my cousin the other day. And she was like, I had no idea where you were," Cause I said, I know if you would have known I was in a place like that, you would have came and got me. And she was like, "Almost definitely I would have came and got you. Cause she would come and get us all the time when my mom was like acting up Mm -hmm. and pick us up and, you know, keep us for a week or two, you know, until she got herself together. But uh, yeah, other than that, my mom was real private and we, of course, we, you know, we kept our mouth shut about what was going on inside the home. Like, you know, you don't tell that. Yeah. Yeah. Had you thought about joining um, one of the lawsuits? Yes. Definitely. I, um, I reached out to Crum, Mm uh, um, office and I spoke with them yesterday okay Mhm. yeah so I don't know what it entails and what's what or you know is, is it a severity type thing you know well it seems
0: like the suit he's involved in with um showman and showman I think that's the, the attorney the law firm mm-hmm. they are focusing on sexual abuse Mm -hmm. so there are other survivors who may not have had sexual abuse but they were abused Mm -hmm. you know it may have been a broken arm or the mental abuse the solitary confinement that kind of stuff so i don't know if there's a suit it doesn't seem to be one ongoing for survivors of that type of trauma Spencer society make sure you go to urban and click on that fashion merch link that link will take you directly to the urban spinster store on teespring where i have that merch available for you in leisure wear you got two styles of sweatshirts with never settle on the front and the urban spinster logo on the back one is a crew neck and one is a slouchy off the shoulder there are also leggings and the matching sports bra in a great African print. You can use these items whether you're lounging around the house or you're actually working out during this COVID season. So make sure you check it out again, Fashion Merch Link on urbanspinster.com
1: Are you familiar if um if it's just sexual abuse from from staff or
0: staff because what they're basing this particular suit on is negligence Mm -hmm. so if but i mean i would think that it's still negligence even if you were abused by other children because then where was the staff right when this was happening Um, the woman that i mentioned that just coincidentally i met and she's 61 Mm -hmm. she was abused by another child but the staff watched Mm. So
1: I just I for the life of me I cannot understand how people could be so wicked and so evil to children. You know, I I just uh, oh, yeah
0: that's why well, yeah think- It
1: just—I
0: can't believe that this has gone on or went on for so many years, and that's just what we know. So by the
1: time I got there, it was already twenty years. By the time I got there, yeah, and then it went on,
0: (laughs) and just for another twenty. Because it seems like, I mean, from just my experience in the world, children and women are the least protected. Now, let's mm-hmm. add Black children. Let's add Black women. Mm-hmm. Please protect it. And children yeah. are so vulnerable because they can't speak up for themselves or they're not, if they don't have someone advocating for them, then they're not believed. You know, they're just kind of mm-hmm. like, huh. and like you said, it's, it's a playground for, for pedophiles. Mm-hmm. There may mm-hmm. you may discover that there has been some kind of trafficking going on within
1: that I, institution. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised.
0: Yeah, you got the yep. staff bringing their friends in to abuse these kids.
1: You know that's and that's what I I told someone because I I went through inner healing. Um. And I had mentioned McLaren Hall to her and she was like, what is McLaren Hall? And, Cause she wasn't familiar. And I was like, Oh, it's like a, you know, a holding facility for kids who've been abused. And I didn't even know the severity of, like you said, the people, the orphans, the kids that were mentally, um, um, had mental issues or whatever. I didn't, I just thought it was for kids like me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: um, so I was like, you know, it's a, it's a holding place for um, for kids going into the foster care system, or till their parents can get themselves together to get the kids back. And um, I said it's shut down now because of there was so much abuse. And I said, well, thank God nothing ever happened to me. But I'm thinking in my mind it's normal for kids to do, like, you know, kids do stuff. So I'm thinking, oh, this is normal. But like, no, it's not normal because there was adults there watching this take place. Like I said, watching this older boy slow dance with
0: me. Yeah. And there was a a woman who made a comment on the YouTube video. And she was saying that um, some of the staff would come to work drunk (laughs) so and then they had this thing where they would call, the, among the kids, I guess, and the staff too, they would call it the chicken wing because when they're trying to restrain a child, they would pull their arm up over their head till almost it reached the back of their neck. And I know there have been reports of children getting their arms broken. So you had people trying to run away. And one of the ladies that's uh, in the lawsuit with uh, Benjamin Crump and Schulman, that press conference that I went to, they all spoke at one point. And mm-hmm. so she was saying that how she had been physically abused at her home like her uncle had beaten her up or, or what have you. And I guess the grandmother was trying to raise her, but grandmother was old. She, not much she could do. So they removed her, put her in McLaren, and then she was sexually abused there. So mm-hmm. she was r- trying to run away and she ran away, you know, multiple times. She would get caught somewhere and come back but there were a lot of kids who did escape but they were living on the streets so you got 11 wow. 12 year old kids homeless living on the street because they're being abused at a facility that is paid to protect them
1: and they have no clue about where to look for family members exactly
0: And yeah because i mean el monte that's you know we know la that's far yeah. So if you don't have any money, no way to call mm-hmm. anybody, you just roam in the street. Yeah, you can't go to the police. Because they're just going to take you right back there.
1: Mm-hmm. My God, it's a nightmare. Now, see, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm the only child that ever escaped from there.
0: And that's and why was... it's so important for people to tell their stories, because it could be kids living that right now and then like you you're like oh i thought it was just me or i thought it was just for these type of kids and it was just you know whoever however
1: it was like i said the the sexual outside of the the other kids but mentally you know the 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 loneliness the coldness of it all i was like you know i'm i was like i have to get out of
0: here now, did they have a school when you were there? Where you? Were going I don't to remember going to. Okay, because they implemented that. I don't know what year where they had schools set up and they had to, the kids would go to school every day.
1: No, I don't recall that. I don't recall. I remember that desk because I was constantly trying to get to that desk to use the phone. Hmm. So, you know, I would be put in the room for that you know, getting caught, trying to get on the phone, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'm okay. Thank God, you know, um, that guy was just so gracious to me that it didn't really mentally mess me up too bad to where I literally, I literally should be somewhere in the corner rocking with my thumb in my mouth, you know, of all the stuff that I've gone through. But um, for the other people, like the people I saw in the news conference, I'm like, my God, the horrors that you live with every day.
0: Yep. And you just don't know who is right next to you that has gone through something like that and
1: why they're behaving the way they may behave. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I know you're using this for a recording, right? For yeah. your podcast. Yeah. So, yeah. But there's, there's so many triggers. There's so many triggers um, that people aren't aware of that they, if they don't know me, but, you know, I don't want to, I don't, you know, I, I don't like to keep constantly re- repeating my story because it's almost like a drug at ha- a- addict, you know, getting that next hit, keep telling the, telling, telling the story, getting high off of it. But you have to be careful how you deal with people.
0: Yeah.
1: You never know. You never know the triggers. And
0: yeah. It's like the, the lady I mentioned that I met at the wedding. This was in April I met this woman. I had no, I mean, I'm just at a wedding. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I don't forget faces. And I'm at this mm-hmm. press conference and I'm like, I know this lady. I know her. And I said, oh, she was at the Oh my God. And you know, LA, black LA is small. You. Mm-hmm. There's always mm-hmm. some kind of connection less than six degrees of
1: separation
0: right (laughs) you know i know always somebody you don't.
1: this was meant to be Mm -hmm. you were supposed to be there yep for you to cross cross paths with her before yeah
0: but that's what she was saying is that she didn't even realize how her behavior was a direct result of the abuse because her her mother was mentally ill Mm and that's why she was removed from the home or mm-hmm. whatever you know that behavior was that her mom was displaying same thing with Andrew his mom wasn't mentally ill and single and even though he had a grandmother who was partly raising him at one point uh his mother said well I want my child back and the mm-hmm. grandmother was like you know she kind of knew she didn't really have the the resources or the wherewithal to really raise him properly but she said, Well. I can't keep her from her son in her mind and so mm-hmm. she sent him back to live with her and then he winds up in foster care until he aged out
1: and then where'd he go after he was aged out
0: well by then he had done very well in in school even though his foster family wasn't the best they were mentally abusive um but he had done so well he was able to go to college and and kind of move on um, from there and become an attorney and an advocate for children and and all of that. But yeah, his his story is is really really inspiring, and his book was really good. I uh, got his book from the library and and this on audio book. If you don't you know have time to read it, you spend a lot of time in the car. So, but what, what's the name? Uh, Hope's boy. Because his mother's boy. name was Hope. Mm.
2: Hope's boy. Okay.
0: Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but I'll let you get on with your weekend. You got your okay. food. <laughs> yeah, got dinner. <laughs> yeah, but thank you for talking to me. I'm hoping to, um, yeah, I found out about the press conference because I was just trying to follow up on the lawsuit because I knew that this one that Crump is involved with now, came about, and I think May is when the LA Times said that there were more survivors coming out and they were um, suing LA County for negligence. And then I'm just Mm -hmm. like, okay, let me see what's going on with it and finding out that now Ben Crump is attached to it. He had that press conference last week. So hopefully I can attend some of the court hearings because typically, you know, they'll let the public attend, but there's Mm -hmm. not enough attention on this at all. Because no. there were not many people there at the press conference. Um, it, you're hard pressed to find out a lot of current information about what's going on. So mm-hmm. I'm going to keep doing more uh, episodes and, and just following it up on. And if you or your brother have anybody else that would want to, um, to speak with me, just you know, let me know, give them my info
1: okay yeah and then if for anything you to text me or reach out or if there's some kind of conferences that you know for the survivors or just anything that has to do with the foster care system and there's a there's a big
0: group tip on uh facebook survivors Mm -hmm. of mclaren hall oh really yeah
1: okay it's called survivors of mclaren hall Mm -hmm. yeah Okay,
0: all right, yeah. I'll, I'll no, look them up. Them out. But if you um, become part of the lawsuit, then um, I'll probably be seeing you if I can oh. get to um, some of the, the hearings. And, you know, oh. I hope I hope it goes well. I hope these people get not only apologies, but free therapy, some kind of benefit, some, something.
1: I was just going to say that, free therapy for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah because yep. they got the
0: money so uh,
1: exactly and especially when they drop the ball that way exactly and over and over
0: and over again
1: for years and decades wow righty. well it was so great to talk to you you
2: too thank you again
0: all righty all right
2: you have Bye-bye. a great week you bye.